job. Good job, guys. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the Gospel of Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament. Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 20. guys do sound good this morning. Yeah. Trent, you especially, buddy. (laughs) Matthew chapter 20, I'll be reading verses 17 through 28. Before I do, I'd like to start off with prayer. And uh, what I want to do today is simply uh, talk to you guys um, about service, serving, and the idea of gospel-centered serving. Uh, Basically, service that um, rooted in the gospel. As you guys, as I said earlier, our, our purpose here at Chester is to, to make much of Jesus, and Jesus is the gospel. He is the center of everything that we do. He's the, the reason we're here, and uh, we want to, to lift him up and exalt him and glorify God in that, and uh, we just pray that uh, the Holy Spirit is present. Hey, I recognize that, that, that I, I stand up here each week, and, and sometimes, man, just, just because of my, my human nature, I put a lot of pressure on myself and, and what I have to say. Uh, to you guys, and, and, and I struggle with that, but, but the reality of it is, man, unless the Holy Spirit is working, unless He is moving in your life, man, it's just, it doesn't matter what I say, you know what I'm saying, the Holy Spirit's got to be the one to kind of awaken you up uh, to your need for Jesus, and that's what we pray every week, we pray that, that, that as you are here, that, man, that you would just recognize and see your need for Jesus, and that, that would just kind of spark in you, and man, the gospel would just begin to transform your life, and uh, so that's, that's what I want to say uh, this morning. Uh, and then I'm going to pray and we're going to read. Okay, you guys good? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the time that we have together this morning already just to worship you in song. And now as we open up your word and as we uh, just continue to worship you, Father, that your spirit would just move and that we, our eyes would be open, our hearts would be attentive, God, just to, to what you have to say to us. And that, that you would move and just convict us uh, we need to be convicted. Uh, Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Uh, Father, we just lift him up today. And uh, may you be glorified in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so chapter, uh, chapter 20, starting at verse 17. I'm reading from the New American Standard. This is what it says. And Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. He took the twelve disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the, to the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the, from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Oh yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right hand or my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard that James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and he said, You know that the rulers in the world lorded over their people. And the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. 
Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wowzers. You know, that, that's, that's, uh, that, that, that is just an amazing story right there. It's, it's an example of a lack of self-awareness, right? So, so how many of you guys have ever been in a situation, you've been in a conversation with a group of people, and you've said something, and then as soon as you said it, you thought to yourself, that probably wasn't a good thing to say. You know what I mean? Like maybe somebody is like just like saying something totally serious, and you think to yourself, that would be a good idea to lighten the mood here. And you, so you insert a joke, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, that probably wasn't the best time to do that, right? Anybody ever done that? Oh, yeah, all of us probably have. We could probably tell stories galore. Uh, that happens to me a lot. Um, so, like, for instance, just a, a while back, not too long ago, Robin and I had made plans to really get a lot of things done around the house this particular weekend. So I was stoked, man. I was pumped up. I was ready to go. I was looking forward to it. We are going to get some work done. And that morning, man, uh, we woke up. Robin woke up. She wasn't feeling well. She, she was, just wasn't feeling right. And then, uh, and then to add to the madness, Jude, our oldest son, also woke up and was not feeling well. And so I want you to kind of get this, this, this image in your head. We're sitting at the kitchen table. Uh, we're having breakfast. Uh, Robin is not feeling well. She's just not, not good. Jude is not feeling well. He's hot and feverish, and he's, you know, a little bit of cranky, a little bit in the mood there. Shepard, our youngest, honestly, I can't remember what he was doing, but I can guarantee you he was being whiny. Okay, uh, and so, so in, the, in the middle of all this madness, okay, in the middle of all this, I dropped this dandy of a line. Are you ready? I said, so realistically, how much do you think we're going to get done this weekend? <laughs> right? Not the best time to say that. You know, this is one of those moments, right? But this is exactly what happens with Jesus and his disciples, right? I mean, Jesus has spent three and a half years with his disciples, he has been teaching them, he has been discipling them, he has been equipping them to share the good news of his story, of his life. And, and this is the start of Passion Week, right? So Passion Week is the last week of Jesus' life. It's the most stressful, most intense, most uh, crazy week of Jesus' life. And Jesus is under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, and he pulls his guys together. He says, all right, guys, huddle up here. He said, man, we're, we're getting ready to go into this last week of my life, and things are going to get crazy. People are going to be saying some crazy things about me. They're going to hate me. They're going to mock me. They're going to, uh, you know, I'm going to be crucified on the cross. And Jesus is having one of those kind of uh, pour your heart out moments, you know, with his disciples. It's like, man, he's landed on the line. I mean, Jesus is getting ready to go and do one of the most uh, uh, amazing acts in human uh, history by serving uh, sacrificially on the cross. Right? He's getting ready to do all that, and he's pouring his heart out. And then it happens. And it's, it's crazy how the text reads, right? Like if you sitting there, like as I was reading this this past week, this is what caught my eye the very first time. It's like, it's like Jesus pours out his heart, then the mother of James and John. Like it happens like, like in the next breath, right? She comes to Jesus, and this is how I imagine it happens, right? She's like, hey, hey Jesus, man, this, th- th- thanks for pouring out your heart. This, this sounds really, really bad. Like, I, I, it does. But, but, but when it's all said and done, do you think my, my two sons could sit at the place of honor, <laughs> right? It's like, come on, woman, this is bad, bad timing, right? And, and, and it's just it's the way it was, right? And, uh, and, and it's funny because the, the disciples, it says that they got indignant. They got mad. They got resentful, right? 
And it wasn't because they were mad at the, the, the other two brothers uh, for being insensitive, right? I mean, let's just be honest about this. They weren't mad because of their insensitivity. First of all, they were mad because they were thinking, why is your mama here, bro? You know what I'm saying? Like, you are grown men. Why is your mama here? But in second, they're thinking to themselves, snap. Why didn't we think of this, man? They, they beat us to it. How come we didn't think about asking Jesus about sitting at this place of honor? And the reason why they're thinking that is because, you see, the culture in Jesus' day is much like our culture today, and it was built upon the premise of power, authority, and prestige. See, it goes like this. The more powerful, wealthy, and talented you were, the less expectation was on you to lower yourself to serve other people. And equally, the less amount of power, wealth, and talent that you had, the more you were expected to serve others who were blessed with more. But this is what I love about Jesus, man. Jesus turns that idea upside down. He flips it. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And then I love this next line, because Jesus basically gives them the essence of the gospel here. You ready? He says, the Son of Man did not come to be served but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what Jesus is saying is that, that would-be leaders, man, they must become servants or slaves. Being a leader does not exempt you from menial tasks. I'll never forget the very first job I had in high school. I worked at the, the good old Kmart, right? Uh, before it became the big Kmart, it was just Kmart, right? And so I worked there, and at Kmart, man, when I worked there, I don't know if they still have this or not, but they had different levels of leadership, and you could work your way up. And so I was uh, level one, which really meant that I didn't have any leadership at all. I was, a, I was a cashier, right, which meant that I was at the bottom of the totem pole. But you could work your way up, and like level four, level five was like management-type positions. Well, they also had level two leadership, and level two, basically all that was is that you oversaw the cashiers, right? And so I, I remember, man, this, this, this young girl, she was a college student, and uh, she always, man, just gave us a hard time whenever she worked. She always, always, always wanted to throw it in your face that she was a level two. Right? I'll never forget the conversation she had with me one time. Like, she, she, I, 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 as I think about it now, I think it's just that she had a crush on me is what it was. Right? I think she just had a crush. And so, so she, we're having this conversation, and she throws it in my face. She's like, Aaron, you're a level one, and I'm a level two. I can't, that's how she did it, right? And in essence, what she was saying is, I'm a level, you're a cashier. I don't, I don't, I don't do that kind of thing, okay? I'm not a cashier. But, but in the economy of God, as followers of Jesus, it doesn't matter, man, if you are the CEO of a major organization. It doesn't matter if you're a manager or a boss or whatever it is, or if you're just a level one Kmart cashier. No task is beneath you, and that's what Jesus is saying. Like, that's the upside-down aspect of the gospel. That that's what I love about it. Like, Jesus was not about possessing power. I mean, Jesus was the most powerful person. He, he was the creator of the universe. And yet, Jesus was about enabling and empowering others. Listen to this. this is, Jesus was not about possessing power, but rather he was about enabling and empowering others. Do you, do you get that? Like, if you don't write anything else down, man, write that down. It's not about possessing power, but it's about enabling others. It's about pouring into others. It's about empowering others. That's servant leadership. That's the kind of uh, life, that's kind of counterintuitive 
Right, that's what the gospel is, though. That's how Jesus lived. He was countercultural. He, he was a king who became a servant. He, he, was, he was the greatest, and he made himself a servant of all. He triumphed over sin, not by taking uh, power, but by serving sacrificially. See, Jesus won by losing everything. And this is this is complete reversal of the world's way of thinking, which values power and recognition and wealth and prestige and status. I think of it like this, man. My wife, she's she's pretty good, man. She's she's talented and she does a lot of uh, she's she's pretty cool in the way she thinks. And and think of it like this as, a, as as Christians, man, we want to grow in our walk with Jesus, right? We're always telling you to grow in the gospel, uh, mature as, as a believer, uh, you know, grow spiritually. And as we think, we think growth, we think kind of getting bigger, right? Kind of growing in our love and affection for Jesus. But in actuality, man, when we grow in our, in our love and affection for Jesus, it actually means we're getting smaller, right? It's counterintuitive, right? It's, 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 it's different. And then God and Jesus, they're getting bigger, right? Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Right? And so that, that, that's, that's what that means. It's, it's counter, counterintuitive. As a matter of fact, just a couple of days after this little episode with Jesus' disciples, uh, during that same week, that Passion Week, Jesus, uh, the king of the universe, actually humbles himself and performs one of the most uh, dirtiest jobs in that day of foot washing. I mean, it was reserved for a slave. And Jesus gets down and he washes his disciples' feet. And then he commands his disciples, he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. See, as followers of Jesus, man, we are to imitate Jesus' life. That's what a disciple does. We disciple, we follow Jesus. And our purpose here is to disciple you in the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. He's the center of everything that we do. And so what I want to do over the next just few minutes is chat about this this idea of service that's rooted in the gospel. What does that look like? And then what does that mean for us, okay? So a good place for us to start, right, is if Jesus is the gospel, he's the center of everything. We'll start with Jesus, right? You guys good with that? All right, so in Philippians chapter 2, you don't have to turn there. You can write that down. But in chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, man, Paul gives this description of Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing there. And this is what he says. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Well, what I want you to understand in that passage is that God, Jesus did not just take on an outward form of a servant. But when Jesus came in the form of a servant, he was actually revealing who God is. See, Jesus did not come as a servant in spite of being God. But he came as a servant precisely because he is God. Does that make sense? Like, it wasn't like in spite of, but it was precisely because he is. And he was revealing who God is, his nature. And we need to understand that Jesus came to serve us. His entire ministry was centered on serving. Matthew talks about how Jesus went about and he was teaching people. He was healing people. He was, uh, man, just, he lived a life on mission. Jesus knew his purpose. Like, Jesus did not come to earth and get sidetracked. His disciples didn't have to pull Jesus aside and say, hey, Jesus, man, don't forget what you're here for. Oh, yeah, that's right. It wasn't like that. Like, Jesus lived his life on mission. He was on purpose. And so Paul says Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient. 
Serving is about becoming less of yourself. It's about humility. I want you to think about you know, our military men and women as we remember those who have lost their life uh, for us today. And think about what they go through, man, when they go into the military. You know, we see the movies and how they depict things, you know, and, and uh, I'm assuming that's pretty accurate. I don't know. But, uh, you know, they go in, and what, what are they doing, man? They, they enter basic training. They, 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 issue, uh, they issue clothing to the, to the recruits, to the people. They, they usually shave their heads or they get a haircut. And then they go through this extensive, man, just grueling basic training camp, right? What's the purpose of all that? Why are they going through all that? What's the purpose of it? To be prepared, but it's also to, to humble them, right? To, to, to break them down. It's, it's to humble them. It's to break them down. It's to, it's, to, it's to do away with their own selfishness, right? And so the point of it is, 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 is one hand, it's humbling because it's telling them that, hey, man, you're not Superman. This ain't one of your video games where you can just go out and save the world. Right? It, it's, it's kind of a humbling thing, kind of breaking you down. But on the other hand, it's, it's empowering because it's giving them the tools that they need and the confidence they need to go out and be prepared for the battle, like what you said. So in the same way, thinking about the gospel, right? The same way the gospel of Jesus humbles us, right? It, it breaks us down. We surrender. Like, there is absolutely nothing that we offer to God. There's nothing that we bring to the table. There's nothing that we come to God and say, hey, man, I've got this for you, right? It's, it's, we are spiritually bankrupt. And so it humbles us, man. We come before God and recognize our need as sinners, that we are in need of Jesus. And so it humbles us. It brings us down. But then on the other hand, man, it, it, it empowers us. It, it gives us confidence because we are a new creation in Christ, and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to then go out and serve. You guys tracking? Does that make sense? You guys good? All right, so, so Jesus humbly serves us, and he, he, then it says he gave his life as a ransom. Gave his life as a ransom. Again, this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, we honor and remember all of our, our men and women who served our country, and they pulled, paid the ultimate price uh, for us. I mean, because of them, we're here today to worship freely uh, without fear of any, anybody coming in to invade us. And in the same way, but to an infinitely greater degree, God took off his royal robes. And he stepped out into uh, this dark and depraved culture. And he served us. We, we were crushed under the weight of our own foolishness, under the weight of our own sin. And, and yet God steps into our mess and he puts on flesh and he rescues us from our sin. He, come, he comes down and he serves us. He gives his life as a ransom for many. That word ransom, man, that's, a, that's an awesome word there. It means to release someone from bondage to release someone from bondage. So Jesus is seeing his death as a ransom to release many from bondage. Now let me ask you this question. What are we in bondage to? I'm hearing the word sin, right? Is that what I'm hearing? Sin? Right? This is what Jesus says in 834. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. That's everybody in this room, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We're all in some way, shape, or form a slave to to sin. And yet Jesus ransomed from us, or from it, the power of sin over us. The ransom price is his life. The Bible is constantly going to tell us again and again that Christ died to save us. Romans 5, 8, and 10 says it, but God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. And that's the point of Jesus saying that the Son of Man came not to be served, 
but to serve. See, Jesus was a giver. In John 10, 18, he says, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. I want you to hear me on this. The price was paid freely. Like nobody had to strong-arm Jesus. Nobody had to manipulate Jesus. Jesus freely came to pay the price for our sin. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. That's how much he loves us. That Jesus would freely come and pay the penalty for our sins by his own life. Man. So gospel-centered service means that, that our service must be grounded in this truth. And it must be grounded in, in the foundation of, of Christ's birth and his life and his death and resurrection. See, see, it begins and ends with Jesus. Gospel-centered service means that it begins and ends with Jesus. It begins with Jesus because he is our motivation. Jesus is our motivation. And it ends there because only in him are we empowered by the Holy Spirit to serve others. See, just like John says it, that we love because God loved us first, we serve because Jesus served us first. That's, that's the only reason, man. That's, that's the gospel-centered idea of this service. So, so Jesus is our motivation for serving. And if the, gospel is, uh, if the gospel-centered service is to be understood and practiced, then, then we have to distinguish it between uh, twisted motivations, kind of this idea of self-righteous service. Because self-righteous service, man, is sometimes hard to detect in us. This idea of self-righteous service is about you know, our own effort, human effort, rather than gospel-centered effort. It's really about wanting to kind of put up the appearance, right? It's about doing things just so people see us and we get the applause of men. People kind of pat us on the back and say, good job, man, way to, way to serve. We feel good about that, right? And it's okay to feel good about serving, right? I don't want to get the, get the idea that you've got to kind of walk with your head down and, you know, because it, you, we find joy in the Lord, right? You guys understand what I'm saying there, okay? But, but this idea of self-righteous serving is about only doing it just to be seen. And if we're not careful, man, self-righteous service can, can turn into legalism and moralism. I'm going to tell you something, man. Legalism and moralism, that's anti-gospel. That, that's about works, salvation. That's about, man, you going out here trying to earn your salvation. That's, that's you going out here trying to, trying to put together a list of things to do so that you can get right with God. You can't do enough good. You can't serve enough people to get right with God. That's why it's got to be gospel-centered. It's got to be rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, this is, this is the beautiful thing, man, about the gospel, is it turns people away from their selfishness and their self-righteousness to serve others in a way that Jesus gave himself for his enemies, which we were his enemies, right? So, so it turns away our selfishness and our self-centeredness, right? Because when we come to Jesus and we surrender, it's not about me anymore. It's not about my selfishness. It's not about my selfish lifestyle. It's about Jesus. It's about making much of him. And then, of course, my self-righteousness. Man, I have no self I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing good. I can't bring anything to the table. And so the gospel turns both of those things away from me and it allows me to serve the way Jesus gave his life for us. Now, some people, they'll serve, they'll serve out of guilt, right? Many, many people, they feel guilty for their overindulgent lifestyle, and so to make up for that, uh, they, they will serve, and they'll give back. 
A lot of churches, unfortunately, use this tactic of guilt to get people to serve. I'm going to tell you something, man. If we ever stand up here and try to guilt you to doing anything, call us out on it. Like you, in, the, in the middle of the sermon, say, Aaron, I'm serious. Don't do that, right? Because, listen, we all know, man, that guilt-laden service, right? I mean, think about it in, in your marriage, right? If you, if you try to guilt or manipulate your spouse into doing something, it may work. They may do it. But I can tell you right now, their heart's not in it, and it won't last, right? And so, so guilt-laden service, man, it just won't work. But, but yet, yeah, churches, you yeah, know, we'll stand up there and we'll say, hey, hey, serve one hour a week, man, because if you do, you're going to go home feeling awesome. Yeah, yeah. Or they'll say, man, are you feeling empty this week? How about serve for an hour in our preschool, preschool area, and you'll be filled up, man, you'll be feeling good. Yeah, right, you'll be feeling like pulling your hair out, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I went back, listen, I went back there before the service, and uh, there was a couple back there serving together, and they had a room full of like three uh, little, like my my shepherd's age. Uh, What is that, 18 months, two years, right? And and they're like, I I don't know how old my, my, I'm saying, I think it's 18 months. And so, so, but they're back there, man, they're going crazy. I'm not sitting there thinking, man, I'm glad this is not me. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather stand up here in front of you guys, right? So, but it's crazy, right? And so, or, or we'll say this. We'll say, man, you've lived all, your, all week for you, okay? Can you live one hour for us, right? We'll say those types of things. But, but the, again, the reality is, man, guilt, guilt-laden uh, motivation is just not going to work. It's just not going to work. Just, just, it's just not going to happen. It may, it may happen for a short period, but it's not going to sustain you. Only the gospel is going to sustain you. And guilt-driven uh, service, man, that, that's, that's anti-gospel. Because, listen, the gospel says that our guilt is taken away from us. There is now no condemnation in Christ. Guilt stops, man, when we accept Christ. There is no guilt. It's permanently ceased in Christ. So we see that the gospel is not only the foundation for service, but it also purifies our motivations for service. Like, we don't have to serve because we... we, we we need to be accepted, or we don't need to serve because of those reasons, right? And so uh, there are sometimes other motivations, like take compassion, for instance. Like compassion can be a great motivator for service, right? I mean, we all have compassion on people. We see people that are going through tough times. We see that they're struggling, and sometimes we have compassion towards them. We think about what, you know, what our life would be like if we were in their situation. But, but let me tell you something. Unless compassion is linked or connected with something deeper, then it, too, is unsustainable. Because let me, let me ask you this question, man. How many of you guys uh, remember those commercials that used to come out, man? They would show you all these hungry kids, you know, somewhere around the world, right? And you first saw those, those commercials, man, your heart, like, w- went out to them, right? I mean, you were like, man, you have compassion on those people. And maybe you still do it, to some degree, but, but after a period of time, what happens, right? It kind of gets desensitized to that, right? And it doesn't have this, maybe the same, same effect or the same, same thing. But, but compassion linked to the gospel is compassion that goes beyond merely observing hurting people, but it sees hurting people and it realizes that Jesus loves them furiously. See, it's looking at other people who are going through something and not just looking at their need, but it's seeing the person. And not just seeing the person, but seeing that person the way that God sees them, that he loves them furiously, that he pursues a relationship with them. Man, that, that's, that, that's, that's ultimately what we want. That's, that's not necessarily our compassion, but it's the compassion of Jesus that fuels and sustains our desires to act on others' behalf. 
That, that's what it is. And when we remember how gracious and compassionate God has been towards us, that's, that's what's going to sustain us as we help other people. And so, so what I want to do now, man, is, is I want to, to end by giving us some practical things and what we can do. And first I want to call up, last, last Sunday night, our youth, our teenagers did, did something pretty remarkable. And uh, Lynette, our, our uh, children's uh, director, she, she kind of had this idea. But, they, uh, but, but what they did is they, they came in last Sunday night and they were given $5. And in their small groups, they were told to take that $5 and go out into the community and, and bless somebody. Use it to serve somebody, bless somebody, whatever. And so I've asked the first service somebody shared, that mic right there beside you, pick it up, you know, turn it on. Uh, Maddie, by the way, she leads worship for us on Sunday night with our youth. She does a great job. Um, and so Maddie, share with us what you guys did, your group did last, uh, last Sunday night, and uh, how it impacted you guys. So we went to Kmart, and we pushed all their shopping carts in back into their little in-store holder thing. And I used we to went... work at Kmart, by the way. Oh, did you? I, yeah, I don't know if you knew that or not. No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, I used to work there. Thank you. Yeah. So we got, uh, I think it was two cases of water, and we went out into the parking lot and wrote a bunch of Bible verses on them, and then we drove down to Greenleaf, which is the trailer park down Jeff Davis, where a bunch of kids sit outside and play soccer, and we handed out waters to them, or just kind of set them to the side, and we had extra, so we went back down to Hyde Park, and there was a ton of kids playing on the playground there, so we just handed them out, and yeah. And it was really nice to be able to help someone and be able to share the gospel at the same time. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks, Thank Maddie. You. Awesome. Awesome. And so, so yeah, that, that's, that's really cool, man. Lynette was texting me last Sunday night about all the cool things the kids were doing and how, how they were impacted. And it just really, uh, really, honestly, it's kind of what spurred this, this sermon. Because uh, I was sitting there Sunday night, and she was sharing that with me, and I thought to myself, I just preach on that next week, and so here we are, <laughs> you know, and so um, you guys can laugh, it's all right, it's, it's, it's okay, so, uh, so, so, so as a church, man, we just want to constantly uh, just ask you to just keep, keep pursuing the gospel, man, keep pursuing Jesus, uh, that, that's the very first practical thing you can do, man, is just pursue Jesus, pursue the gospel, uh, live in that week in, week out, we're constantly telling you, man, you've got to preach the gospel to yourself every day, because if you don't, man, you get discouraged very easily, don't we? So you've got, to, you've got to do that, man. You've got to, you've got to preach that uh, to yourself every day. Uh, we can also start, man, at home. I man, that's the very first place to start uh, serving is at home. And you think to yourself, what do you mean at home? Well, if you're married, your service begins with your spouse. If you're, if you're not married, you know, if you, if you have a roommate, uh, then your service begins with your roommate. If you don't have a roommate, then get a roommate, okay? And start serving somebody. But, but listen, the gospel, the gospel frames how our ministry at home should look. The, the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians, and this is what he says. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. By, by the way, if you ever read through, through the epistles, man, you'll notice that the Apostle Paul, the way he motivates people, guess how, guess how he motivates people to do things? Paul doesn't, yeah, through the gospel, Paul always points them to Jesus. Paul always points them to Jesus. And so Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, so here's the deal, man. Husbands, if you come home and you are only seeking to be served, man, you're going to live a very frustrated and disappointed life, okay? You know what I'm saying? 
It's just the way it is. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And so, amen, right? But, but here's the thing, man. But, if, but if, if we stop to remember before we even get out of the car how Christ served us and gave himself up for us, then that off-field reality will motivate us to serve our wives when we walk in the house, right? Because it's not about us, right? And remember, it does away with our selfishness and our self-righteousness, it's not about me, but this is a two-way street. Right? It's not just it's, it's the husbands and the wives, right? It's about putting each other's needs before the others. That's, that's, that's where it starts, man. It starts at home. And then in our neighborhood, man, listen, God placed you where you live for a reason. You're not there by accident. And there are countless ways that, that service can be manifested uh, in practical ways, okay? And I know that we live in a society where people pull into their driveways and get out of their car and they rush inside or they immediately go in their garage. And you, but, but and so this takes some effort, you know what I'm saying? But, but maybe you pull your trash can, your neighbor's trash can to the back of the house or uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, but, but I can give you an example personally of what I did just a couple of weeks ago with my neighbor across the street. Her name is Barbara. And she's a, an older single lady. And uh, some people came and they dropped some, some gravel right in the middle of her driveway. And I thought for sure that they would come back and they would smooth that out for her, but they didn't. And so I grabbed my shovel and my rake, and I walked over there, and I served Barbara. I mean, I did it without, you know, not thinking. Again, it wasn't like thinking about anything else. I was just serving. And then my neighbor, Jimmy, beside her, also came out with his shovel and rake, and we started serving together. Now, Jimmy and his wife, Amanda, don't go to church anywhere. Uh, Jimmy has some, some of a church background, but not much, but Amanda has no church background. And so guess what our conversation led to? Our conversation led to church, his background, her background, you know, where they're at, how much they know about the gospel. And so it gave me the opportunity to chat about that and to learn more about them and to invite them to church and things like that. And so you just never know where it's going to lead to. And so that's an example of serving in your neighborhood. How about your workplace, right? I mean, again, God has placed you in your workplace for a purpose and for a reason. You know, you're not there by accident. And so whenever you are serving your boss, well, right? You're doing that. You're bringing glory to God. Matter of fact, Scripture says, in everything you do, work at it as if you were working for the Lord, right? And so do that at the workplace as well. And then at church, I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about ways that you can serve at church, right? And there are opportunities galore. We're going to be at Hyde Park this summer a lot doing some cool things. And if you're interested in serving in those areas, man, please come and talk to us. If there's an area of ministry that you would like to serve here on Sunday morning, whatever the case may be, man, we've got opportunities to serve everywhere. And so I'm not going to guilt you into that, okay? I'm going to refrain from that. All right, so thank you guys, man. Let's, let's close out in prayer, and the band's going to come up, and we're going, to, we're going to sing another song, okay? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for stories like this. God, what we just learn and, and can glean from. And uh, thank you so much for being patient with us. God, just even in this passage, man, we just see your patience with your disciples. God, I just, just blown away by that. Thank you. Thank you for being patient with us, God, because we fall short every single day. And we just thank you, Father, that the gospel allows us to get back up and to pursue you. We don't have to feel guilty. We don't have to feel shame. But it allows us to get up and continue to pursue a relationship with you. And thank you so much for that. Thank you for calling us sons and daughters. 
Father, I just uh, pray this morning that this idea of gospel-centered service just take root in us, God, that we would think about that some more, how that plays out in our everyday life, God. I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the thing, man. Whenever, whenever we're, we're, we're doing gospel-centered, it's gospel-centered service in our life, it's kind of an everyday thing. It's, just, it's an outflow of our relationship with God. It's what it is. It just, it just becomes natural because we're living in the center. We're living in the gospel. We're living that out. So I just want to encourage you guys this morning, man. If you, I'm going to ask uh, Chuck, Kathy, if you guys would come on up here. And they'll be up here on the side, man. If you're, if you're going through something today, if you're struggling, if you need some prayer, man, they would love to pray with you this morning. They would love to pray with you. So I want to just invite you, man. Don't worry about what other people are going to think. Don't worry about what, you know, somebody, just, just come on down. If you want to learn more about what Jesus did on the cross for your sins, man, how he ransomed his life, paid that price, man, I'm going to be up here. I'd love to chat with you about that. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing and we're going to do that, all right?